When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. It is just Jeffrey, Jehu, Lavecchio, and I. And we got some like fancy hardware type stuff because I am in St. Louis and we are actually recording this podcast live from Vex's apartment complex. And so to be completely honest with everybody, we are just riffing it here today. So we have a couple things that we were going to talk about, but this is just going to be the two of us in person just getting after it. And so why don't we just get right to it? And let's introduce the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey. Vex, it's good to see you in the flesh here, my man. That's kind of weird, I'm not going to lie. We are currently sitting about six feet from each other, holding a microphone against our chest because (laughs) Toph just got some new fancy soundboard, so uh, our sound should be clear and poignant and delicious for all you listeners out there. But we're just staring at each other, not really knowing what we're doing, (laughs) but we're going to do it. Does he put a question mark at the end of everything? Why do you put a question mark at the end of it? Name that movie. <laughs> oh, man, this is actually really cool, just being able to do this and kind of, like, not over Zoom and be in the same spot. And uh, for everybody, like, so Vex today, I took my team, so we're here for a showcase right now, and uh, we played this morning, and then I took my team over to Vex's training facility, and uh, he gave him a talk, and he uh, had them doing some hand-eye coordination type stuff. It was awesome, and... I think the thing that's really cool, I think a lot of youth coaches and like teams for the people who are listening, like if you're able to like get out on the road and do something for like a team building thing, obviously getting the chance to talk to you, they're going to learn something and like what you had to say to them was awesome, but it was just really cool for them to kind of bond away from the rink. And I just think that's so valuable. It's so valuable. And I think it's, it's just fun too. Like, you know, go to these tournaments or you go to these showcases or you go on travel trips on the weekends and these kids miss a lot of their their you know fun times with their friends so right now you know u 16 is only playing one game a day you can go and have some fun after your guys were talking about maybe going to top golf tonight having some food hitting some balls you know they came to the gym we had some fun played some games stuff like that Uh, I just think it's super important, like, not only for team bonding, which is obviously awesome, huge plus, but then also just, like, letting the kids, like, be kids, have fun, go do kid things. Uh, Since we're only playing one game a day, I I know that there was this, like, massive pushback probably about five, ten years ago from a lot of youth coaches, like, no swimming, no fun, no shimmy hockey. (laughs) 
And it's like, man, you know, they're still kids. Like, th- those are my most fond memories of hockey. We talk about this on the on the podcast all the time. But, yeah, I think you're so right. It's really important on the road to go out and do something different as a team. Like, we went and played pond hockey in Minnesota when we'd go there in the winters. Yeah, Coach Barrow sick. would take whoever the kids want to do it. And, they, like, it's just something different. They're outside. They're having fun. And it was just really cool to, like, watch them do things like that, like you're saying. Yeah, for sure. And I thought – it was just fun to just watch them have fun, you know, as coaches, just like watching them with no pressure, watching them with, and like as a coach, you getting into it and, and doing some of the competition type stuff with them. And um, I don't know, it just kind of humanizes you as a coach a little bit. And then just seeing them have fun with each other. I mean, that's kind of like what coaching is all about. I feel the best memories that I have as a coach is kind of taking a step back and just like watching the players love each other, you know? you've built that culture, you've built that camaraderie within the group. And then as a coach, when you can kind of sit back and watch, because building a culture and stuff, that's intentional. And so you work hard as a coach to be able to do that. And sometimes the players know (laughs) that that's what you're trying to do. A lot of the times they have no idea the method to the madness of what you're doing. And I know on some of the championship teams that I've been able to coach, like the best memories is just after we've won, watching them celebrate together. And just kind of taking a step back. And because we were all players once too. And we know how much fun it is to win. And we know how much fun it is to especially win with the team that you really care about. And I don't know, just being able to be proactive with that kind of stuff and do things like this away from the rink. Um, and, and even the other side of it too is like just the pressure that these kids feel like they're under to perform nowadays. Just getting them away and letting them be a kid and have fun is, is like so valuable for their mental health and well-being. And even I would argue that it's very good for them to be that way to be a good hockey player, too. Got to have that balance. Yeah, I, I obviously I 100% agree. And I think it was – I think something you said there, too, it, it, it humanizes the coach. I think it also, you know, humanizes the players. I, I've listened in on a lot of coaches talk about players when it's just in the coach's room over the years of my career and coaching and helping teams pick, uh, helping coaches pick teams over the years and stuff like that. And, you know, like when a, when a coach, and, and I'm sure nobody wants to admit this, but it happens with every coach. You get somebody who's, you know, third line guy and in your head because you've coached them for a couple of years, you might just always see them as that third line guy. And, and you kind of just look at them as the player at the rink and everyone as the player getting to see them in these like no pressure situations where they're having fun. You kind of get to see those kids' personalities. They get to see your personalities. Like in the speech I gave to your team today, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like saying that midget coaches are going to be the last coaches that care about the players like a hundred percent because I believe a lot of junior coaches do. But like I told your guys today, like once you get to junior hockey, it's a business like coaches feed their families on wins or losses. Even if they really care about development, if they lose all the time, the, the, the owner's going to fire them. You know, they're not going to want that. So it does become about that, which makes it kind of a business. So like, being able to have you see this other side of them and vice versa. I just think, like you said, from a human standpoint, a fun standpoint, it just, I think it, it, it is rewarding in so many different ways. Yeah, no question. It is funny, like, vulnerability has become, or I shouldn't say it has become because it's not there yet, but, like, vulnerability is becoming a word that people associate with strength. I feel like, especially for men, vulnerability has always been looked at as almost like a weakness, like yeah. you're kind of soft. Yeah. And I feel like now the more vulnerable 
we all are, the more, because you don't get connection without vulnerability, right? Right. It, it just, it doesn't really, it's, it's, it's kind of fake or surface if you don't have that. And you can't get culture without connection. So it really all kind of starts with vulnerability. And you're even seeing some of these, um, you know, Bill Belichick types, Nick Saban types, um, and, and things like that really understand and recognize that. And you're seeing them still being like kind of hard ass because they're expecting a lot and they're holding accountable. But there's also this, this kind of like humanizing side to even these old school people who are still here because I feel like the old school ones that haven't changed are, are kind of dying out. Right. But, um, it's just, it's, but it, is, it can be a tough balance as any coach, even probably parent. Like I'm not quite there yet cause my kids are young, but to kind of toe that line between vulnerability and also kind of like strength and conviction and accountability. And, and it's almost like the coaches that can find and strike that right balance with their players are probably way ahead of the game. Yeah, dude, I, I totally agree. And, like I always talk on this podcast about my own personal experiences because obviously I know those the best so I can shed light to try and help other coaches um, with the successes that I've had. But I truly think that my training business uh, does as well as it does for these guys and all the guys love coming and stuff is because uh, I get to know each one of them on a personal level and I want to know what makes them tick and they know what makes me tick because I tell them. And I tell them, like, about myself, like, the good stuff, the bad stuff. When I was playing, this is what I did well. This is what I didn't do well. You know, what do you do well? What don't you do well? And we get vulnerable with each other. I learn about them on a deeper level that isn't just surface. I find out what makes them tick. And then I'm able to press buttons so that they can get the most out of themselves. And I I, I don't know if it's right or if it's wrong or whatever, but, like, what you're saying is, like, I, I truly believe in that. When you get to like really get below that surface area and you find out why people are the way they are, what makes them tick, what is their why, all these things that we constantly talk about, they're going to trust you more. They're going to listen to you more. They're going to get more out of your teaching, out of your coaching and vice versa. And I just think it's so massively important. And it's, it goes back to kind of like um, what Adam Nicholas said, uh, the big cat, the Dunkin' Donuts man himself on one of our, I think it was the first time he came on where he said something so simple but so profound where he said more coaches need to go and learn how to be a teacher. And I think the best teachers are ones who kind of do this. They have a great rapport with their students, whatever they're teaching, and then they're able to teach those subjects better. And I just think that as coaches, we can take a lesson, a page out of their book get vulnerable both ways and, and, you know, create relationships where they trust you, you trust them, and they know that you're their best best interest at heart and you'll be able to do more for these kids or girls or boys or whoever you're coaching. Yeah, and and the thing too is like that takes a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And that's that's where, I mean, it kind of goes to the conversation we had over breakfast yesterday. You know, like it just like, if you want to be great, it's, it just takes a lot of work, a lot of work and intention and every day just getting after it and not taking days off. And, and that goes with, I feel like we always talk about that from a player perspective, right? Coaches telling players that you need to do X, Y, and Z every day and you have to be consistent with it and put your all into it and everything. But it's the same for coaches when it comes to building relationships too. You have to be intentional about it. You have to do it every day. You have to kind of build it into your schedule because if you don't, then it's going to be the first thing that <laughs> goes to the wayside. And so I, I just think all of that stuff that we're talking about, it just, 
like it really takes a lot of work and preparation and intention and it doesn't happen overnight. Well, look, look back at your career and you don't have to say names obviously, but like think about the coaches you played hardest for, you liked the most. Were they guys that you knew put intention into their practices? Were they guys that you knew cared about the players? Were they guys like, I remember a couple coaches in, in pro hockey who like, we did the same drills all the time. They were the last one to the rink. They were the first one to leave. In pro hockey. In pro it's hockey, crazy, right? you know. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> our video sessions were, were not, you know, super detailed. And, and it's just like, dude, you're barely putting any effort into this. And yeah. and us as players could read right through that. We knew that. Uh, uh, I don't think it's ironic, or I don't think it's ironic that those coaches were also the coaches that all the players didn't like and I would guess that they didn't like them because they felt like they weren't invested in the team, in themselves, um, you know, with getting to know the guys. So nobody played hard for those coaches. Yeah. I, think, I don't know about you. No, I think you're spot on on that, but I'll, I'll add to it. I think, like, the number one thing is you knew that the coaches kind of had your back and they cared. Yeah. But the second thing was it was the coaches who it wasn't about them. It was about the players. You know what I mean? I think there's... Those, those coaches where you know they're genuine and they're trying to make you better and they're trying to make the team great, it's not about them. And then there's the coaches who it, it is. It's an ego thing. It's about them. And that's not to say they're bad guys or girls or bad people or whatever, but there's a, there's a genuineness about coaches that I, I always wanted to play for where I knew that, that he had my back and I also knew that like what he was telling me was not something he was trying to fulfill for himself. It was something that he was actually talking to me, with me, to try and make me better. And I think there's a lot of coaches out there that are kind of, it is about them, you know? And, and for some, maybe that's why it makes them good because you do have to have a little bit of an ego um, and a confidence that kind of comes with that. But at the same time, you have to be invested in in the people and really it is. It's about, like... That's why the Stanley Cup is the best trophy to win is because the players are the ones that hoist it. Not the coach, not the owner, whatever. Like, it's it's the players because those are the people, blood, sweat, and tears that have to go out and put their body on the line and everything. And I feel like the best coaches that I've played for are ones who, like, literally, it was about us. It was about the team. I would say, too, to even the coaches, like, there's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to make it to the next level. But I think that to get there, you have to put the team in front of you and, and be that type of leader. And those are the type of leaders that wind up climbing the ladder. Like, if you put yourself out front and it's all about you and blah, 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 like, you're probably not going to get to that next level. Whereas, even if that is your motivation, if you do it in the right way, and it's not all about you, like you care about the guys, you stand up for the guys or girls, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, you do your homework, whatever, you're good, you're, you're the right type of coach, like that in the end will get you to the next level. It's like how you do anything how you do everything, you got to do everything right, like can't take shortcuts, like they never actually work, <laughs> you know, so it's just so important to like focus on all these little things as a coach. I, I, I really hope coaches are listening to this because – you know, us as players, we know it. Oh, you, my God. You, you can you, smell it out for sure. Smell Very it out. Very easily. And nobody likes those guys. And then guys aren't going to play for you. No. Yeah. I, I, that, that's kind of like the ultimate compliment for a coach is when, like, the players want to play for you. Yeah. You know? 
and and they play for each other and they play for you and you know at the end of the year meetings there's there's hugs and and things like that it was interesting I was I think I told you but on the way down here I had an unbelievable conversation with Noel Needham who we kind of had on the podcast kind of <laughs> kind of but she was working for Toronto at the time so um so we had to cut it and she's working with Chicago Steel now. And I was asking her, I was like, because the Steel is kind of like the gold standard or one of the gold standards in all of junior hockey, not just the USHL. Um, and I was like, what, like, what is it? Like, what's not the secret, but like, why do you guys feel like you guys are so successful? And, and her answer was something to the effect of like, at our end of the year meetings, like there was genuine like happiness and the coaches really care, you know, and the players care about the coaches and they built these connections and this camaraderie. And, and that's not to say it was easy all the time, but, you know, there was hugs and there was tears and there was, you know, she was like the ultimate compliment for us is that like the players who left to go on to college or wherever, like they're always want to come back and they're always talking about it, and they're keeping in touch, and it was kind of like what Seth Appert said, because we had Seth Appert on our podcast uh, a little bit ago, uh, who is the head coach for Rochester in the AHL right now, and he was with the NTDP at the time that we were talking to him, and he's like, I judge my success as a coach based on how many of my players invite me to their weddings, and he's been successful, won national championship in Denver, and, and obviously now looking where he's at right now, I mean, it's just the, the relationship side of it, it's the first thing that goes in when things get stressful or <laughs> even even in times of complacency, you know, um, when things are going well, we get complacent. It's like the relationships is kind of the thing we always say means the most, but I feel like we don't execute on that as coaches as much as we should. And But it's just, it's so important, man. Just the, the connection. That's what we want as human beings, right? We want to connect. It's like a basic social human need that we have. Um, and, and one of the most powerful things, especially for the kids coming up today, is they want approval and they need approval. And, and so the, the better you're able to connect with these kids, the more you're able to have really kind of honest and deep conversations with them and the more they kind of are able to come out of their shells and be vulnerable and it, it's all kind of encompassing. It's like a circle. It's like a circle. <laughs> yeah, I think that <clears throat> like the the hierarchy of a team, it used to be like coach on top, players like straight line down below. And now I think that it it really does seem like obviously there's guys who still girls who still coach that way and it works for them, but I think people enjoy their experiences more and they I truly think that coaches who do it right get more out of their players and teams that it's not that straight line down. They're 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 not on an even playing field, like because a coach has to you know take control. But he's just like barely above them. If you're looking at it in like a linear fashion, you know, it's not like up here and then you guys are the minions. It's way more like even, even Steven there, and there's a lot more give and take than there was when we were coming up. And with the kids, like you said today, like always, you know, they 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 thrive on approval and you know feedback and things like that when you're in more of a relationship where it's peer to peer more so uh, I think that, that those are the, the coaches that do the best and, and have the best relationships too. 
Yeah. And it's, it's a fine line. Like it's hard. It's hard when you're like, buddy, and I mean, buddy, buddy from a coach standpoint, not buddy, buddy. Like you're the same as you are with your friends, but more of like a player's coach, I guess is the terminology people usually use. But like you still, when you have to correct them or you have to sit them, like you, you just explain to them why you're doing it. Everything has to do with like the way you present it. And if you're presenting it like a dictator, I just think in today's world that doesn't work as much. Yeah, I mean, that's what all the research will tell you, too. I mean, when you're setting goals, like, you're not setting goals for the player. You're talking to the player and guiding them on them setting their own goals. And same thing as a team. Same thing in building your identity. Like, that's one of the things. I I mean, identity is everything when it comes to a team. And with my team this year, you know, one of the exercises we did was, okay, let's get each of you have to um, put in the group chat three words that you think our team is going to be this year. Like three, three words that kind of what our identity, what you guys want our identity to be. And then we went through, I took all the words and I put them in the group chat. I said, okay, here's all the words from everybody. I want you guys to come up with five, five that you think represents who we are at our best, who you want us to be. And then they pick their five. We put it up. It's called our identity board. We put it up on uh, a thing. I like. Um, what's it called? A poster. You bedazzled it. I beda- I wouldn't say I bedazzled <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, but I did. They actually designed it. So I said, you guys design it. You come up with your five words, you design it. I'll get it blown up and we have it in our locker room. And it's something that they see every day. And just, it's, it's who we are. And, but it wasn't, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't me saying, okay, this is what I think we need to be. Um, I was a part of the conversation, kind of. Um, I kind of, our first, like, conversation that we had about it was me asking questions, and, you know, we were talking about what we wanted to be, and then when they did it, it, it was completely theirs, and that's something that we've talked about a lot on this is ownership, right? And when the players take ownership of those kinds of things, that's a powerful, powerful thing. And so I just think, yeah, like, including the players in in the preparation of what you do. And we always did that at Cornell. We would involve the players in, in setting things up and things like that. And it's just, yeah, no more of the top down type stuff. You got to include everybody and you got to include your players in everything that you're planning to do for that year's team. I love that. I, I, I look back now and I'm thinking about when I did stuff like that. And a lot of times it was coaches telling us how we were going to be as a team kind of cool like having the players do that i like that yeah and like again like do the research right do the research and that's what all of the people who study teams when you have more involvement from the even if it's a business from like the mid-level people or the lower level people then then they feel like they have a say and when they feel like they have a say they take ownership in the things that they do and it's just it is it's a powerful thing when you have that and i think it creates a camaraderie too because then again it's their thing it's something that they have that's uniquely their own. And it's just, yeah, it's it's cool, man. And identity is everything. Literally, identity is everything. I mean, it's like funny we're talking about this because, like, as you know, since you're staying at my place this weekend while you're here in town, uh, I got up at 5 a.m. to go run uh, a bunch of people who work for Supplement Superstore uh, and First Form. Um, the First Form owns Supplement Superstore, a big supplement company. 
and they're actually out of St. Louis, and their, like, whole thing is culture and identity. Yeah. And everything you just said literally describes them, which is why I went and did a free workout for them. I just... That's, res- why, I too, that's why I do team building. <laughs> like I contact just, me. Here we con- go. <laughs> contact Topher Scott. Topher, T-O-P-H-E-R-S-C-O-T-T. Hockey Think Tank is his... Uh, what's it called? Instagram. Boom, roasted. Um, yeah, so, like, everything you said, like, their culture, everything, and, you know, they're hundreds of million dollar business, like, because they're, they're lowest level employees, like, they, they believe in the company, they buy in, like, medium level or mid-level, the C-level, like, every level is, like, bought into the values and all that stuff, the culture, the identity, they all take ownership, and that's why they're, like, just on a rocket ship, and they're just, like, exploding through the fitness industry, which is like it literally just exactly what you just said, um, and and it's it's so cool to like learn this stuff, and I I really hope that the the coaches out there listening to this take some notes or something because if you implement these things with your teams right now, I guarantee your teams win more. I guarantee your kids have more fun on the team. I guarantee you have more fun on your team. You know, like don't live in that nineteen eighties uh, crack the whip mentality. There's a time and a place, but like. Kids just don't respond to it as well anymore. No, no, they don't. It's not fun. No, I know. It really isn't. It's not fun to be that coach. It's not fun to be the players for that coach. Like, you know, everything that I've ever worked with, the thousands of athletes I've worked with, every single one of them works harder when they're having fun. They, they, no one works as hard when they're not having fun. I don't know so one person. Is, so this is an interesting topic because it, we, we talked about this with my team this weekend. So we're doing this on Sunday night, Labor Day weekend. So my first game with my team was Saturday, and then we played this morning. So Saturday's game, we kind of got thumped. Like, we didn't play very well. The other team was really good. We played Team Wisconsin, and they're very good, very well coached. They make you earn everything. And then we played today, and we won. And so we talked about this exact thing, but... I'm going to go a kind of a different way with what you're saying. I think the work comes before the fun. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I know that's not what you're like. Yeah. I'm not contradicting what you were saying, but we didn't work very hard in game one, and it wasn't fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? And then we worked really hard in game number two, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think it's the same in a gym or in a business. When you have people who are bought in and you have people that are working – like, that's fun to be a part of. When yep. you have people who are missing deadlines or who are late or whatever, like, that just, it, it permeates throughout the whole, whether it's a business or a team or whatever, and then it just, like, it, it gets to be almost like a drag, you know? And I, I feel like the most fun that I've had, it always revolves around good people who care about other people who just want to work, and through that comes fun. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I... I mean, I, I, I totally understand like how you're seeing that and how you're saying it. And I, I agree. I, I just, uh, I guess how I was trying to say it was like, you can, I think of it like this for, in terms of hockey, you can, you're all right. Your team needs to work on cardio at the end of the skate. Are you going to bag skate them and make them skate lines? Or are you going to figure out a way to incorporate skating into a drill that has shooting or something, which is fun for the player. Yeah, competition. Right, competition or this or that versus, like, you putting no thought into the layers that you could add into getting your cardiovascular work in or the kids actually enjoying what they're doing. No kid wants to skate lines. No kid. So, like, uh, you know, you hear these coaches out there, like, oh, my team needs better cardio. 
bag skate them. Like, what? No. That sounds terrible. Obviously, maybe every once in a while is for some mental toughness, but, you know, that's a separate topic. But, like, figure out a way to get these things in there so you're having fun while you're working hard. You're working hard while you're having fun. It all goes together, and then you'll get better results. They are called hidden bag skate drills. Hidden baggers, baby. <laughs> hidden baggers. They got once me. Once you get older, you you know you which know. ones those are. You're like, okay, <laughs> I see what you're doing here, coach. <laughs> yeah, we're working on you know tracking or yeah. you know, something, but I get yeah. it. This is this is for the old lungs. Oh god, this is not for uh, you know anything crazy. That's funny. Um, all right, let's take a quick break here, um, and we're gonna hear from a sponsor from our podcast company blue wire pods and then we'll get right back into it with something that we talked about the other day that i really want to dive into so i'll take a quick little break now all right so we're back and like okay so we had an awesome conversation over breakfast yesterday agreed yeah very good sweet conversation it was almost one of those things we were talking we were like man we i wish we would have had our podcast stuff yeah just that. talking about it right now we will try our best to recreate it um, but the one thing that we talked about that I think was really, really interesting had to do with like average achievers versus high achievers and how, and Nick Saban, I don't remember the exact quote that he had, but he, he said something along these lines, but it's like the thing that really aggravates high achievers the most are people who are average, but they kind of depend on, <laughs> you know, to be some of their support. Um, or people that you, like, really care about that you just wish had more to give. They're, they have more to give, but you wish they just gave it. And I was thinking about that, and I was having a conversation with some of the guys with, with my organization right now because they actually talked about this with my team, and they actually made a, like, triangle that they put on their shirts, and it was guys at the top of the triangle then there was a line, and then there was, like, you know, guys in the middle of the triangle, and then there was a line, and then there was guys at the bottom. And so, basically, what it represented was there's a whole lot of people in the middle, right? And then there's a few who are on the bottom who just don't care or aren't bought in or whatever. And then you got the few at the top who are 100% all-in, high achievers. And then you have everybody else that's kind of in the middle, and those people who are in the middle, they have a decision on which people am I going to follow? Are we going to get dragged down by the people who are at the bottom? Or are we going to trend up, which is harder because it's harder to go up than it is to go down? Gravity, hey, what's up, scientist? <laughs> Bill Nye the science guy over here, everybody. Um, or are you going to choose to follow the people who are the high achievers? You know what I mean? And so it was just a really interesting conversation that we had because it is it is so hard to be a high achiever. You really have to be dedicated every day. And, and we already talked about this, so we don't need to go even further on it. But, but, like, what do you think about that? I mean, it's just, it's a difficult thing to comprehend as a kid because you have these influences, but, you know, follow the people who are doing things the right way. Try to emulate them, you know. For me, this is like, I mean, I, I gave a speech to Tove's team today for probably about 20 minutes, I'd say. And whenever I give speeches to, uh, a lot, like, anytime teams come in town or when I was coaching, I'd go out of town for, from coaches that listen to the podcast. They'd say, hey, can you come speak to my team? And I, I absolutely love doing it. Um, and the, I'd say the number one point that I try to get across is 
this right now. Like basically like your goal should be to reach your truest potential. And for me, like I would say that that in, in the way that um, I'm thinking for youth hockey, like that would be a high achiever for me. Someone who reached their full potential, not necessarily made it to the highest levels, but for youth hockey specifically, it's who can really push the bounds of, are they getting everything they can? Are they getting as good as they can? Because that will take them as far as their skill and their abilities will allow them to get. Um, and for me, like there is nothing more sad as a coach as a teammate when I played than guys who were getting 80% out of themselves or 70 or 90 or 95. Like I, I, it hurts me to see that as somebody who literally gave everything I possibly could all the time to be the best player I could for myself, for my team, for my fans that I was playing for that year. Um, it's hard for me to watch these guys. And, and I think that I felt that way because I wasn't the most skilled. Think Happy Gilmore. That's that's kind of how I looked on the ice. <laughs> Slightly better, but very similar. Um, damn it, is that goal regulation size or what? Hey, he did have a few records, though. <laughs> he had a few records. Um, so for me, it's always been very hard for me to watch people who I know have more in the tank. They're uber skilled or they're really good at this or that and they just don't fully apply themselves. It's very hard for me to see that because I just think, man, I wish I had that natural talent with my drive. Like, wow, what a combo that would be. And so it's just so hard for me personally to see these people who are, you know, medium achievers or low achievers, but especially the medium because it's like if you just do a little more, if you give a little more, you will be more. Almost like GMBM, (laughs) what's up, clothing line on my Instagram. Check it out. Are you done? Are you done? <laughs> you want to end on that? Yeah, but like, you know, <laughs> this this literally like keeps me up at night with clients that I have in the gym. If like I'd say almost all of them give it everything they have, but you know, everybody has bad days and it's my job to be there on the bad days to get them back into making it a good day and leaving the gym with a win. And it's just it's very hard for me to see people not give their all because I've seen so many friends, so many teammates who didn't make it as far as I did in hockey, who were more skilled naturally, you know, just better than me as as just a straight-up skill in hockey. And I made it, you know, many levels past them, and I'd see them in the bars and the restaurants, and they're just, like, they're so, like, depressed, and they have, like, these issues that they didn't make it as far as they they should have, as they could have in hockey. And it's literally because they, they, they just didn't dedicate themselves and it's hard to see that man i i don't know if you see guys like that but i have a lot of friends who are like that it's very hard for me to like talk to them i feel so bad for them yeah eh. as a five foot four person that gave close i don't i wouldn't say i gave it everything i had but pretty damn close um yeah it is difficult because <laughs> yeah you know you just you see what could have been or you think of what could have been had you been blessed with certain things that maybe other people got blessed with um, that aren't taking advantage of it. I don't know if that's probably the right way to say it, taking advantage of your your gifts. Um, But at the end of the day, again, success is a relative term and you say that all the time. And I feel like people like you and I who can go to bed at night with peace of mind knowing that we did give it our all, that that probably trumps any kind of NHL career that we could have had if 
something would have went our ways at, at some capacity. And then you look at maybe some of these other people who have been given some of these physical gifts who, and you kind of wonder, you wonder what they're thinking as they lay their head at night or they look in the mirror before they, they go to bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and I want to make sure, and I think you would say the same thing, like that's not to say these are bad people at all no. by any means. They just didn't really want it as much. Or and they have regrets like, about it. That's what's that's, so hard. And that's the thing that is hard. That's so, what's some hard. of them do. Some of them. Well, I think, I I think a lot. Of I'd say most of them. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Because they know. They look in the mirror and they know. They're like, man, I, I, I blew my shot or I didn't do as well as I could have or I could have done this more. I could have done that more. And then they just constantly live in the what ifs. Or if you just give your all. And you try to be your best, and, and, and like you will not have those what ifs. And I literally said this to your team today. I said, and boys, because I lived that way during my hockey career, it's made me successful in all the other areas of my life where I'm trying to do something or trying to build something or trying to be something. Like literally, by doing that in hockey, it made me a successful entrepreneur. It made me a successful strength coach. It made me a successful podcast or like whatever because no matter what we're constantly pushing ourselves to try and do things different better smarter harder etc and we learn that from our hockey career yeah 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 so all the coaches and parents especially <laughs> that are listening to this like that for me is is the biggest piece of it you know it's we talk about it not too much but we talk about it a lot like what's your why for being in youth hockey you know what yeah. is it? What's your why as a parent in youth hockey? Because I would guarantee you that your parents would say that your youth hockey career was very successful, not because you got a college scholarship or because you potentially, or you signed up a, a pro contract and were this close to playing in the NHL. Like, no, they're happy with your youth hockey career because you're successful in your mind of what success is today because of the things that you learn. I think my parents would say the same things. And God, that gets lost. I was having a conversation with our strength coach in the car today, and we were kind of talking about it. Like, all right, of all the parents, like how many of the parents really kind of think that, you know, making the NHL is the end-all, be-all? It was like too many. Too many. You know? And and that's just, it's ass-backwards. It's 100% ass backwards. And uh, you, know, you talk to any sports psychologist, you talk to any high-level coach in, in any sport, you know, it's the process. It's the process that means everything. And if we continue to drill the end result into these kids, then they're going to have regrets because very few people end up with the end result that you're pushing on them. Like, very minuscule. <laughs> Whatever it is. Even if it's playing junior hockey, if it's playing college hockey, playing professional like those percentages are so low so if we think about and communicate and continue to just press them on that what's at the end of the tunnel then it's going to be a failure because you know if that's how I judge my career I would be a failure because my dream was to make the NHL my my career was not a failure <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> you know and and so um, yeah, I just, God, like everything is so professional. Everything is so crazy. We gotta, we gotta get back to the roots of what the stuff is. And, and, and that, another, like, I don't know the, the parent thing is, is tricky for me because I don't know if I necessarily agree with too many of the parents 
thinking is the end result of being in the NHL or if that's what they're conditioned to think because of the way the youth hockey culture is nowadays. It's almost like what we were talking it's about. It's a little with the, both. With the high achievers and the low achievers and then everybody. Like, I feel like a lot of hockey parents are kind of in the middle. They know a little bit about hockey. They don't know a ton about hockey, so they're looking to influences to, you know, kind of guide them on what this whole crazy youth hockey racket is about. And you have some people who are pulling those parents to be like, hey, this is, you know, it's about the kids. It's about life lessons. It's about the things that we talk about. And then you have this other faction that's, you know, it's, you got to make it and it's perfect, like, and all that kind of stuff. And I just feel like we need to do a better job of swaying people to understand that it is, the, the, the percentages are very small. And again, what is your why? Why are you getting into this with your kids? Yeah. And ultimately, I feel like those people are the ones that have the success when it comes to the end result too. Almost like what we talked about like 30 minutes ago, How I feel many, like. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, like of all the people that we've, because we've had NHLers, we've had Hall of Famers, we've had Olympians from men and women on this podcast, and we always ask them about their car ride home. We always ask them about their, you know, their upbringing and stuff. And every single one of those people, not one of those talked about their parents putting pressure on them. Not there one. has not been one single person that has gone on to play at the highest level of hockey, men or women, that has said that their parents, that they were tough ride homes in the car and that there was any pressure. Not one. That's wild. Zero. That is We're batting wild. a thousand here. Batting a thousand. <laughs> and, and let's, well, I think maybe the one that we did have on here that had a crazy dad was, was Patrick O'Sullivan, who we talked about with him. Um, and, you know, what was left on the table for him, you know, for, and, and he's an awesome guy and, and he's a great coach now because of some of that stuff um, that he had to go through. Cause he had, to, if you haven't listened to that one yet, he had a dad that was pretty crazy and abusive and things like that. Um, so I don't know, man, it just, God, like, what are you doing here? What would you say you do here? Well, too, and on top of that, from, like, a parent perspective, like, say say your your kid doesn't play junior hockey, okay? So they're going to play hockey until they're 18, 17, 18, they graduate high school. That's all you get with them for that. Say they go to juniors. Maybe they leave at 16, 17. Now you're only getting them until they're 16 or 17 watching all their games, driving them to the games. After that, they're not... We're not riding with mom and dad out of town. So what kind of memories do you want to have? Right. What kind of memories do you want to have in those like very formative years? Like what do you want your kids to look back on and remember? And what do you want them to pass down to their kids when their kids are playing hockey or other sports? I think if you like zoom out from the day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour, kind of like take like a, you know, 10,000 foot look versus a 10 foot look, you, you can kind of change your perspective and think, oh, maybe, maybe this will be a little bit better approach to it. And I guarantee you that if you start doing that, like your, your kid will have more fun, which is going to get them more results too. Yeah, for sure. And I, I want to like also kind of go in a different direction, but kind of the same direction because we talk about the life lessons and things and we talk about fun. I think it's necessary for us as coaches in this process of making our kids better and more well-rounded individuals to make it hard yeah yeah I think that's so important and having really high standards and being 
relentlessly accountable. <laughs> I was joking with my kids. I was probably being a little sarcastic yesterday. But, like, we're a team. We're really aggressive, and we take a lot of penalties. And we also weren't working very hard yesterday, too. And I was, like, looking around, like, I don't have any more guys that I can bench today. <laughs> I, I've kind of ran through everybody. We have to put three guys on the ice. Um, and uh, But, yeah, like, as coaches, we need to make it difficult. We have to push these kids outside their comfort zone and, and test their limits. Um, it, it's a real part because real life, dude, oh, my God, real life's hard. <laughs> you know, and, and the more that we can talk about that, I think, with the players. And Muncie and I were talking today. I got the chance to go and talk to Muncie. We're like, man, every parenting is hard. And everybody, before they have a kid, should, like, have, like, their nieces and nephews for a weekend without their parents and to realize what it actually is. <laughs> and and that, But but it's, like, great training for when you want to have kids because, like, you now you know what it is and you can prepare yourself. That's why people will say, like, with every kid that you have, it gets a little bit easier. Um, most people say that anyway. And so for, for us as coaches, we got to make stuff really difficult for the kids because we are. That's one of the best ways we can prepare them for the next step, whatever that next step is, whether that's forget about hockey, whether it's going to college, whether it's you're younger and it's going to high school, uh, whether it's your, you know, higher level and you're preparing people for life after hockey. Those hard lessons that you learn about resiliency and adversity and relationships, you know, it, it, it all goes up and down and up and down. And the better we can train our kids to be able to deal with those ups and downs, the, the better it's going to be because look, you know, it, we live in a world where it's heh, kids can go and turn to things that aren't very good for them. At at, at a lo- like that stuff is just really accessible. Whether it's the alcohol, whether it's the drugs, whether it's bad influences, whatever it may be, and it's easy to cope with the bad times and doing that. That's why you're seeing endless amounts of overdoses now and endless amounts of you know, teens and young kids uh, on drugs and alcohol and things like that. It's because we are not preparing them as adults to deal with hard times and how to cope with the stuff that isn't so pretty in our lives, which we all have, right? So again, like we need to love these kids by making it hard for them. And if we do that, I think we're doing our best service to them in their development as human beings. You know what I mean? Dude, I totally agree. It's uh, it's kind of like that. You give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach him to fish, eats for his whole life. It's a lot harder to teach a man to fish than it is to just give him a fish. Kind of the same idea there. Like we, life's hard. I tell my guys all the time. Like you guys need to enjoy it. my young guys. You guys need to enjoy this time. Like you guys really don't have anything hard in your <laughs> life. Like my dad always said to me growing up, like. No, 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 like, enjoy this. Trust me. Enjoy middle school. Enjoy high school. Enjoy college. As soon as you leave college, your life will never be the same, and you never get to go back. Yeah. So, like, really enjoy this. And, and and like, it's it's so true. It's very hard after. So I'm super glad that, you know, through hockey, I was constantly daily tried, tested, pushed, over and over in the gym, tried, tested, pushed over and over and over. We can't just let them get by with easy things. You have to have standards. You have to hold them to it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to be the bad guy. 
But uh, as long as you keep telling him this is for your own good and why and stuff the like why, that, right? The, the why, why. it's so the why. That 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 I'm is not just doing this to be an ass. Yeah, I'm yeah. Doing this right. to prepare you right. for whatever comes your way. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You could, you know, crap all over a kid, but if he knows that you're crapping on him because he cares and you're giving it, not, you know, not actually. That's going up on the wall. <laughs> That's your next tattoo. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, you're holding them accountable. They know that that's why. And if you tell them, like, this is why you're sitting. This is why you're not going to dress in today's game. It's because I know you have more. Look at, then go over video. Look at this. Does this look like you when you're your best? No. So should I, as a coach, keep playing you if you're going to give this effort? Do you think you can give that effort at college next year or at, in pro or when you're working your real job? Or is your boss going to allow this? No, you'll be fired and you're hooped. Or I can teach you right now to take accountability. You're going to sit tonight, and you're going to have to be better, and you're going to get back in the lineup Friday, and you're going to prove to me and your teammates what you can do. Now that kid's going to be jazzed to be sat. Like, it's a massive difference, and you're going to get way more out of that kid the next day versus if you just sit him and don't say anything, Yeah, which was the old school mentality. And then they're left questioning in their head, and they're nervous, and they're whatever. Maybe I'm just talking about how I felt when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, God, the why is so important, and, and they do. The kids appreciate that. I actually had a kid on the bench yesterday. I sat him. It's the the guy who eats the ham and cheeses or whatever. What a beauty! Guy. If that guy ever listens, I love so you, ham and cheese. You love him even more now. So we took a penalty yesterday. That wasn't a great penalty or whatever, and it happens. And and so came back to the bench. Say, hey, I got to sit you on. Sit you. He said, I appreciate that, coach. Thanks for holding me accountable. You know, like what a beauty. That's that's the the. And I think for the kids that are listening to this, those are the kids that we love to coach. We love to coach, and we will go to bat for at all times. Um, it's the ones that whine and sulk when things don't go really well. Like, that That doesn't, like, <laughs> you want to be played more? Don't do that. You, you want to be played more? You should have the mentality of being coachable and things like that. It's just like, oh, man. And it's just so, just make it hard. That's doing something good and be consistent with it too. I think that's another thing that we get wrong as coaches a lot is um, we don't do it. I don't want to say fairly, but we don't do it in the same capacity with everybody. We kind of let some maybe of our better players slide a little bit, or we just forget about doing it because it's hard to do and we got to be intentional with it. But if you're going to provide feedback and you're going to have some, accountability structure that you have like it has to be an all the time thing yeah it, and if you I give agree. the kids an inch they'll take a mile yeah give a mouse a cookie i 100 percent agree no doubt about it like i remember you know being a fourth line 12 13th forward on my on my junior team my first year and seeing the way that you know the first line guys get treated and obviously that's every team everywhere but when the treatment is like so different then you're creating an environment as a coach for players to be upset with yeah. with that player even though it's not his fault with the the team culture you as a coach you know and that's not that's definitely not a good recipe for a good locker room and things like that yeah no that's a recipe for disaster yeah that's a recipe for disaster. And at the end of the day, all the kids really want is the honest feedback, honest and consistent feedback. Yep. And there's so many different ways that we can do that now. I mean, um, you can do it through video. 
You can do it through just, you know, on the bench during a game, obviously doing it through practice, doing it just through taking, um, you know, taking a couple kids and, and having a conversation with them after games or after practice. It just, the, the feedback loop is, is so important. That honest feedback loop is so important and consistent honest feedback loop is, is everything that, that these players are looking for. And, uh, but as a coach, it's hard to do that. You really have to be mindful of what you're doing. Yeah, and maybe even something as simple as, like, writing in your game day notebook or, you know, a lot of coaches have coaches' cards now. Like, putting a note there, like, these are the five gra- guys I'm going to grab after today's yeah. game. And you just have that on every coaching card. And then after the game, write down the five guys you want to talk to so it's on your card. After you give your post-game speech, you grab the guys or whatever. You know, that will kind of writing things down notes to yourself stuff like that and then it, uh, consistency will become a habit and then the habits you'll just do over and over and over and then it's a lot easier than you just kind of like doing it sometimes and then it's inconsistent yeah that yeah that's what actually one of the things we talked about is like there are sometimes people there are <laughs> rarely people and there are always people you know when you look in the mirror which one are you like if you really have a hope and a dream of doing something pretty cool like, are you a sometimes person or are you an everydayer? I like that. That might have to go in my gym. Are you a sometimes-er or are you an always-er? <laughs> I like it. Plus Ness. Plus Ness. Your name, plus Ness. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so easy to be a sometimes person. It is. It's easy. And guess what, listeners, moms, dads, players especially? Easy doesn't equal championships. Easy roads don't equal rings. Easy roads don't equal the next level. If it's always easy, you're not going to get to where you want to go. I'll tell you that right now. Sometimes you got to do things that suck. Sometimes you got to sacrifice. To get to that next level, you're going to sacrifice. Or you're going to sacrifice not getting to the next level because you didn't sacrifice to do the things you needed to do. Ooh. So there's always going to be a sacrifice. There's always. You just got to decide what do you what's worth sacrificing for in your mind, in your life, how you want to live, where you want to be a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It's almost like a preventative sacrifice versus a reactive sacrifice. Ooh, you know I love that. <laughs> you know I like preventative versus reactionary living. I love it. Progression versus regression. Booyah. There we go. All right, man. Well, we're almost an hour here. This was an awesome conversation. Um, before we do go, I uh, have a couple notes here, and we have some people that we want to thank. Thank you to Gel Sticks, our title sponsor. Uh, guys have been with us every step of the way. Go to GELSTX.com and get your weighted training sticks. And if you use the coupon code, Think Tank. Isn't that nice? We get to do that. I got to point at you and it's you got kinda, to do it. It's, it's kind of sexy. Let's do it one more time. <laughs> and use the coupon code, Think Tank. <laughs> You'll get a discount on your way to training sticks. Uh, thank you to Train Heroic, Jeff's training app. Go train with me with Jeff Lavecchio by going to the app, downloading it, and looking for Rip Taki. That's R-I-P-T, not R-I-P-P-E-D, like Jeff is, R-I-P-P-E-D. Boom. I think you said something about you being Jack to my team at some point today. I've probably said it five times, if I'm being, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> Oh, God. And uh, thank you to IceHockeySystems.com. These guys are phenomenal, and they are the best freaking coaches um, preparation package that you can find anywhere. 
and I use it. So I plan all of my practices through icehockeysystems.com and we have the association package. So anybody within our association can have it. Um, so you can like, first of all, you can draw all your drills up through there and then you can save them and you can store them and you can send them out to everybody. You can build these huge drill libraries and we're really taking advantage of that, uh, right now. And it's just so nice. It helps you be organized as a coach. And when you're planning your practices, you can go back to some of the things you can put notes on there. What worked, what didn't, I mean, it's just awesome. So go to icehockeysystems.com and look for the associations tab. Um, again, a huge, huge value add for any of the associations out there. And uh, you know what? It's it's Labor Day weekend, so we hope that everybody had a great weekend and has a great Monday. If you're listening here on Monday, uh, do us a favor and, and tell your family that you love them and, and spend some time with them, um, even if it's not Labor Day, something that's really, really important. And, uh, and we love everybody that uh, continues to, to listen to our podcast. We so appreciate all of your support for what we're doing. We really, really hope that it's resonating. We hope that this one resonated uh, with everybody. And, and Jeff and I, it's very, very cool to be able to do this live. And uh, it, it's, yeah, it's just kind of like a unique kind of thing to be able to do this. From, what is it? What, damn, I messed it up. What do they say on Saturday Night Live? Live from New York. It's <laughs> I couldn't remember it. We watched it last night. Live from my apartment. It's me and Tove. <laughs> Oh, well, we had a blast doing it. So thank you, everybody. We hope you have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this little riff session here from Vex and I, but we wanted to to really kind of just get into the deep and nitty gritty of some of the stuff that was on our minds as we are starting this hockey season, uh, at least for me. And Jeff, you're kind of almost, I don't want to say winding things down, but um, in one way, winding things down. And now you got your teams that you're training from Train Heroic, one of our sponsors. So, um, yeah, we appreciate all of you guys. Uh, we hope you have a great week, and uh, we love you.